Hi, and welcome to Speak On. I'm your host, Yolanda. I'm joined by photographer and activist Eliza Hatch to discuss Cheer Up Love, her amazing photo series released in 2017 that retells the stories of street harassment and her new podcast of the same name. Hi, Eliza. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm all right, actually. A little bit tired today. I've had so much stuff to sort out and I'm getting older. You know, these things, they wear on me. But, <laughs> <laughs> how has, uh, you know, the, the question that everyone is asking, mm-hmm. how has 2020 been for you? Um, it's been very strange, obviously, like for mm-hmm. many people. Um, it was obviously like quite stressful at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was living in a different country. I was living in New York at the time and then I... Oh, wow actually had I got I was visiting London for work in March and then I got stuck here during the lockdown and then I had to basically pack up all of my life from here and get it all shipped back and um so that was a bit stressful like relocating during a pandemic yeah um and then but ever since then it's been obviously an adjustment period but Mm -hmm. they had there have been some I guess, nice surprises, I think, in the way that I've worked has sort of changed, changed a bit. And with the podcast and being able to kind of, yeah, I mean, I've been trying to look for the positives, basically, during this time. And I think the positives have been that my practice has been, well, it's had to adapt. And so Mm -hmm. instead of doing lots of like real time shoots, I do FaceTime shoots and I've now started working in different media like podcasting and and so it's it's been a journey um just figuring it out like everyone else I guess yeah and then are you relieved because you said New York and I went oh are you relieved to be here compared to New York because obviously things were really got really really bad there yeah no definitely definitely and I would not have wanted to have been locked up in my minuscule apartment away from all yeah. of my family and friends during during the um like the epicenter of the pandemic and I was like everyone I who I know who lived in New York just got the hell out of there at, at that time because things were pretty rough they were like you know body bag trucks on people's roads and stuff mm. and it just it was it was not the place it's not the city to be trapped in your apartment in like no, because they have no room, do they? Those apartments are so small. They, yeah, like the the way that New York works and the kind of like deal that you make when you move to New York and you pay so much money to live somewhere mm-hmm. incredibly small is that you're not going to be spending any time living in that tiny place that you're spending yeah. lots of money on. You're going to be enjoying the city and going to bars and working and seeing friends and stuff. But when all of that is taken away from you and you're just like trapped in your tiny apartment mm-hmm. with a really hellish pandemic and also I didn't have any health insurance so I was yeah so I was I'm I'm a freelancer and yeah I'm self-employed and so really really appreciative of the NHS (laughs) um because it is so expensive over there to have health insurance and I was just like I'm just gonna wing it while I was there and then when the pandemic happened I was like okay no more winging it time to go home exactly (laughs) home home is calling Yeah. yeah Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so glad that you are, you're, I'm glad you are here for it and not stuck in New York and not stuck in your apartment and that you've got your, got everything sorted out. Are you planning to go back? Uh, well, I say after, whenever after is, because obviously that's like how long is a piece of string, but yeah. w- will you return? I don't know. It's hard to say at this point. I th- I was kind of, I was, I was at the time I was like, oh yeah, I'll, get, I'll be back in a couple of months. And then this now, or like recently I've been like, oh yeah, I'll be back in, you know, spring next year. But now I'm just like, 
oh, I've got no idea what's going on. It's so hard to plan for anything. So mm-hmm. I'm just not planning at the moment because... Yeah. Um, and I'm just trying to take things day by day. And yeah, my my, the way I'm looking at it is that like I'm really not going to plan for the future because I just have no idea what's going to happen. And being self-employed anyway is, is pretty hard, but kind mm-hmm. of establishing yourself in a completely new country at this time and looking for work is, is even... Uh, yeah, that's, it's, that's something else completely. So I'm just going to... I'm just taking it day by day and I have no idea, really. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So what do you feel is kind of the, I suppose, the best lesson that you've learned so far in 2020? Um, I would say the best lesson that I've learned so far in 2020 is that you adjust to things quicker than you think you will. Mm -hmm. And you can adapt yourself and kind of you can learn you you can learn new things about yourself and new ways of working that I mean okay so for me for, for example I have been quite rigid in the way that I work for a long time and mm-hmm. I sometimes feel scared about doing new things or trying new things sometimes with my practice but what this year has shown me is that you can take risks and you can try new things out and the world's not going to end because I mean the world it literally is ending but <laughs> you just you just working in a different way or you know adjusting your life or just changing things like that's not gonna it's not going to be like detrimental as detrimental to you as you really think it is mm-hmm. and I think yeah it's been it's been kind of a good time to get out like outside of your own head in a way and yeah, yeah basically just try try new things because really you've got nothing to lose I mean also you have everything to lose so it's a tricky one it's a tricky one there's a lot to lose but there's also nothing to lose in that sense because you're sort of you've been we've been inside all the time and I haven't been able to do any of the normal things that I would be would have been doing so Mm -hmm. I guess in that sense it's been a really good chance it's been been it's been good for me to yeah do new things yeah and I think you kind of you what you're saying though is like it's good to try new things etc but you obviously already have this like amazing level of bravery because you know I mean I wanted to talk about cheer up love and just kind of that whole thing there's so much bravery so it's interesting to say the main that's the main thing you've learned because I'm thinking wow I felt like you'd always been in that space of being able to push yourself and Mm. try new things and do all these things so it's interesting that you're learning that even that you still have a way to go within that as well yeah definitely I mean I'll be the first to say that like my I'm continually I'm continually surprised and but surprised by the like the way that Cheer Up Love has gone and the different formats that it's taken and also just yeah the way that I work and the way that my practice has unfolded and the way that my career and has completely changed over the years as well and it's mm. just hasn't been linear in any way shape or form and planning things has been really difficult because then something else has happened that's just completely changed the course and direction of my life in a way so yeah yeah, the whole thing has really just taught me to be open I think to new things Mm -hmm. um and then this year especially because I think I was getting a bit like set in my ways about certain things or like how things should look or like I don't know all of that kind of stuff but I think it's good to challenge that and yeah take risks with your work Brilliant. Okay, so now 
we'll go over to talking about cheer up love so some of our uh some of the listeners may not know what that is uh they may not understand much about it so can you give us an overview of what it is and like what inspired it and also what have been kind of the main like benefits and outcomes from it yeah sure so cheer up love is a photo campaign that i began in january 2017 that retails accounts of sexual harassment and street harassment and it's done through photography and story sharing and the process of what i do is that I photograph people in the place that they experience sexual harassment and use that as a stage to speak out on, whether that is a bus stop or a train station or a busy street. And the aim of the game is really to turn a negative situation into something positive and reclaim the space and the experience. And it all started um, on social media and then kind of branched out to working with different organisations and doing lots of offline work. So I do lots of talks and workshops. Um, and then in 2018, I partnered with the United Nations and went on a mission to Sri Lanka with them. So it's, yeah, it started off as something like a project I did on Instagram. And it still very much is a project I do on Instagram, but it has now branched out into like lots of other different kind of avenues. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And then what's, um, would you say kind of the, are there kind of any like, big outcomes in terms of you know like with Gina Martin there's like legislation changes and things like that have, have you had any kind of impact in that in that sense or is there or, or is that on the books is there something that you kind of want to tackle next yeah so for me it's like the whole the reason that I started it and the th- reason why I was so inspired to do this was because I wanted to raise awareness about sexual harassment and do mm-hmm. it through a creative lens and do it in a different way in a way that a way that I felt comfortable doing it because I didn't approach the subject of sexual harassment from like a from like an intellectual or like studied or studied perspective because I went to art school and I have this Mm -hmm. weird thing where I'm like oh you know I don't have the authority or knowledge to speak about this or to go into legislation or to go into politics or any of this kind of stuff because I don't know how because I just went to art school and all of this sort of stuff which is a classic case of like you know imposter syndrome self self like detrimental talk all of that kind of stuff but it made me focus on the things that like my strengths basically which are creating creating a project um working through like working in a creative way photography um design and so for me it was about okay how can I communicate this issue that I really care about in a way that makes sense to me in a way that connects to me and the way that will connect with other people and so for me the, the the kind of most important thing was being able to make that connection but in a creative way and so that's kind of why I went down the route of yeah of making it a photo campaign mm-hmm. and I'm really passionate about things changing about legislation about all of this kind of stuff but I'm more sort of interested in collaborating with other people who's like and kind of being able to use both of our strengths Mm -hmm. to do that so for instance I worked with Gina Martin in 2017 on her upskirting campaign I I photographed her campaign and that was like a real honor to be you know to be even involved in that in the slightest um and then I'm working with like our streets now at the moment who have a campaign to make street harassment illegal Mm -hmm. and so I've like always thought about this like you know when I was doing the project and I had lots of people asking me the same thing, like, you know, are you going to start a petition or are you going to make a legal thing or are you going to go into this, that and the other? 
and I've I've wanted to do these things and I'm passionate about those things but I'm also kind of playing to my strengths and I think collaborating with other people and using my skills and working with other people and you know being able to join forces I think is even more powerful and also there's only so much you can do as like one person which Mm -hmm. I'm now learning so much and I think (laughs) that's also something which I've learned from this year which is that it is important to collaborate with other people and to work with other people and you will you will benefit and flourish so much like so much more than just kind of working by yourself and that's mm-hmm. something which I've been doing quite relentlessly for the past three years is just working completely by myself mm-hmm. but there's such a beauty in collaborating with others and especially others that kind of have the same vision as you and yeah. that's that, that's been something really incredible that I found like online with uh, like communities on Instagram and on social media and stuff um, uh, so yeah that's been really great yeah that's amazing there's so many good things have come out of that and I think you know I, I was looking over the campaign and I remember at the time it's like you know it's just like when then um, when Abby who's our producer brought, uh, brought up like we we're talking about what, what can we talk about in future podcasts mm-hmm. and then she brought up Cheer Up Love and I was like oh my gosh I'd, I'd completely not forgotten about it but I was like oh yeah I remember this I remember this being I remember us having conversation about this because I remember having conversations with other people who were really surprised as to how often catcalling happens what counts as sexual assault what is harassment Um, and so many people were really confused and didn't know where the lines are so how many I mean you must have had these conversations endlessly Mm -hmm. (laughs) endlessly now but What's your kind of stock answer for when people say, okay, what is se- what is like sexual harassment? What what constitutes as this? You know, what's the problem with catcalling? Do you have a kind of a stock response that can help people really understand? Because it is so normalized. A yeah. lot of these things are normalized. It's so normalized. And I think that's also been like one of the biggest backlashes to the Me Too movement was when everyone was like, well, you know, what actually constitutes as harassment? Like, can mm. I not say hello to anyone anymore and all of this kind of stuff? And I think there's so much, unexplained, as I say, so much of confusion within this like gray area where people mm-hmm. just don't, where a lot of people find it confusing between what's the difference between like having a conversation with somebody and Mm -hmm. then flirting with somebody and all of this sort of stuff. And I think where it's different is is that people have, or like think that they have good intentions, but they will not understand the kind of reaction or like to their actions Mm -hmm. or the impact that their actions will have. And so so a lot of people will say, well, I was just trying to flirt. I was just trying to be nice. And and it's like, okay, so that was your, those were your intentions and that's fine. But also it doesn't really matter what your intentions were if mm. you are actively doing something which is making somebody uncomfortable or you are acting in a threatening way and something. And like like a lot of people say, oh, well, it's just a joke, you know? And like, oh, why are you taking it so seriously? It's just a joke. Mm. And it's like, okay, you may have thought that was a joke, but like really kind of analyze the actions that you've taken here and analyze how it's made that person feel. And then if that person isn't finding it funny, then was it really a joke? Yeah. But I don't know. I've had, I've had so many different answers to this. Sorry. I've had so many uh, questions about this and lots of different like reactions to my work, especially with people being like, oh, you know, what's wrong with telling women to smile and it's a nice thing and cheer up, like, like it's a compliment, like all of this yeah, sort of I stuff. I don't understand how it's a compliment. Just like, just mind your business and leave my face alone. Because but, yeah. what, what about it is complimentary? Like it's just, yeah. that's just, it's just not a compliment at all. Mm. Um, and basically it all boils down to kind of unwanted sexual attention and also just like a lack of respect. And people just, I think 
there is an extremely clear difference between somebody paying you a genuine compliment or just asking you a respectful question in a respectful way and treating you with dignity and not just as a sexual object than there is with somebody you know shouting good tits at you from across the road like there's a very very clear difference when it went about that kind of things and then people ask well what about in the workplace can I not sort of you know touch someone's knee or someone's shoulder or will I get in trouble for giving somebody a hug and it's like you really just have to analyze your position like of power in those kind of situations if you are the boss and you're going around hugging all of your female employees that might not look so good if you're just if you're just a colleague and you're at the same level with another colleague and you're friends with them and you're having conversation with them and you know you give them a hug which is reciprocated and obviously like you know they are like like you know your colleague and you're on the same kind of level of power and your friends and all of this kind of stuff then you shouldn't have so much to worry about in that regards but like it's just being able to kind of look at a situation analyze it are you dealing with somebody respectfully are you giving like off on what are you giving someone unwanted sexual attention like it's mm-hmm. yeah it basically for me just comes down to like the, the basic like level of respect and mm-hmm. treating people other people respectfully and not in a sexualized way yeah and i think there's definitely some lessons to be learned in how people conduct those kind of conversations because when when you know when you made brought up me too there i remember when that came up um again because obviously there have been times in the past where it's come up but then there was a particular point where really everybody really got hold of that conversation and that topic and um of me and some of my friends were like we should have conversations with like men in our family and kind of ask them if they understand what any of this is and so we all kind of went off had conversations with our dads our brothers etc and in family groups and um one of my friends actually said she had a bunch of family round and then she started talking about it and some of the guys in their family were like oh what are you talking about this stuff doesn't happen and she was like okay every woman in this room you don't have to say what's happened all our, like her family like her grandma was there everything like tons of them she was like put your hand up if you have had unwanted sexual attention or you've been assaulted or anything like that mm-hmm. and every single woman in that room including her her mom her sister everyone all of them put their hands up and the guys were so shocked yeah. they, they were so separated from it and then that really sparked a conversation of what is what is harassment what mm-hmm. where does it what what happens here and when i've had conversations about it with people and like with them i work with influencers and mainly female influencers and we have lots of conversations about this because there's they're getting you know people are commenting people are saying stuff in the street they get mm-hmm. so much harassment so much catcalling mm-hmm. it makes it sometimes impossible to walk down the road and we were talking about what is it that guys have problems with when you are trying to explain to them that they don't need to say anything to you yeah and there is that kind of I think you've said it there like that level of respect and if they don't know what that level of respect is how can we I don't know what can we do next to kind of teach men young boys people how to flirt or how to talk to people so Mm -hmm. that they're not confused like what do you think we can do yeah I mean I guess it's just about kind of introducing kind of positive relationship like like positive gender relationships from like a really young age mm. and being able to kind of educate about things like this about sexual harassment like at a young age and like be able to talk about it and have open dialogues and conversations about you know what is wanted and what is unwanted uh, sexual attention and consent and all of this kind of stuff which 
are conversations which just not well I certainly didn't have them when I was at, when I was at school we only really got told about the worst possible case scenario and everything few and far in between was just you know it was just like oh whatever boys will be boys it just wasn't really a conversation that was had and I know it's being had now more and more like more than ever and there are really amazing initiatives that are doing kind of work to get it into the curriculum there are initiatives like the good lad initiative which um is all about kind of promoting positive masculinity and then there's like the new sex education program which is being rolled out soon which is definitely better than it ever has been before but there's still so much work to be done and i think it a lot of it boils down to being able to have these conversations from a younger age being able to teach boys and girls about respect about consent about yeah positive gender relationships and know when and also know how to kind of take take a rejection without it turning ugly and I think that's one of the huge problems with a lot of the harassment that we see a lot of catcalling a lot of yeah a lot of relationships like like anyway when there's this kind of there's this um unwanted sexual approach and then the girl or the woman or whatever will say oh no I'm not interested and kind of reject the advances and then the rejection instantaneously turns into an aggression and turns into like oh well you know screw you blah blah you're not like you're not that fit anyway you're ugly all of this kind of stuff and being able to kind of teach people from a young age about healthy rejection about how you know basically just that you're not entitled to anything that you want and that you and that you see and basically that all just comes down to kind of dismantling the patriarchy I think like bit by bit by bit because as for so long men have been able to get away with with anything really and it's all kind of been brushed off and and you know shoved under the carpet with under the guise of boys will be boys and you know that's just men being typical men and now women finally are turning out in the numbers to say oh okay you know, I'm actually really fed up of this because I know, you know, I just, I just can't take it anymore. And the men are turning around and saying, oh, well, we've been acting like this forever. And now you're suddenly saying that our actions are wrong. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's about time that, that, that those, um, those actions were challenged. Yeah. And I've had, a, you know, I don't know if you've had any guys that you may know saying, well, how am I, well, what am I supposed to do when I like someone? How am I, how do I flirt? What do I say? What do you say to guys like if, of your own, like your own peer group when mm-hmm. they ask you things like that? Well, the thing is, it's not that women don't want to be flirted with. It's mm-hmm. not that we want to break down the lines of communication between men and women. We want mm-hmm. to encourage communication between men and women and healthy communication between them. And in a way that's not sexualizing. And if you can just, you can flirt with somebody you can you can you can be so flirtatious without being sexual and that's like one of the main things is to kind of look at the person as you're like that you're talking to as an actual person as a human being not as a sexual object and sure you can think about them as a sexual object everybody does that's great but you don't have to vocalize it you don't have to make that person feel instantly instantaneously uncomfortable um because and also you know it's obviously extremely dependent on the scenario you know you're going to it's going to be a lot easier to have that kind of conversation with somebody that you maybe know or in a friendship group or at a party or at a bar or in a club. What is what is a lot different is having those conversations like on the street, I think. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, I'm just saying this for myself, but 
I don't want to be picked up on the street. There's enough <laughs> pickup artists going up or going around trying to like lure women off the streets. And it's, it's just, it's just not, I don't know. It's, it's just not, of an, it's not an environment where many women feel very safe, mm-hmm. I would say. And so if you're, you know, if you're truly like a hundred percent want to pick somebody up, don't do it on the street, like do it in a public place, do, do it, do it in a safe space, you know, do it somewhere where the other person can feel, you know, unthreatened. And I just think mm-hmm. like, obviously lots of people will say, well, this is like the death of romance and the death of kind of spontaneity and you know, all of this sort of stuff. And it's like, sure, you can still be spontaneous. You can still be romantic. You can still be all of these things, but you can do it in a way which isn't threatening and creepy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what relationship ever started with nice tits? Precisely, yeah. exactly. Like there's, there's, yeah, no relationship ever started from a cat call or from someone being told yeah. to cheer up on the- yeah, exactly. <laughs> on, Why don't you just mid- smile? Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I'll give you my phone number and then we can get married. Exactly. Yeah, and I think, I natural. think <laughs> the people who were worried about flirting, mm. maybe- don't haven't actually experienced what it is like to be sexually harassed so for a lot of women when we're talking about being sexually harassed we're talking about you know guys rolling down their car windows and asking us to get in their cars making sexual gestures shouting horrible crude things slapping our asses putting our, their hands up our skirts like all of this kind of stuff and obviously you can have you know, interactions as well, which are disrespectful and sexual and all of this stuff, which are just completely verbal. Um, But it's basically being able to bring it back to that basic level of respect. Yeah. And that's all what anybody deserves, regardless of your gender. You know, if you're flirting with a man, if you're flirting with a woman, if you're flirting with anybody, it just comes back to having that human decency and treating them like an actual person and not as a sexual object yeah absolutely um so then i mean we're talking about people shouting out cheer up love which i'll be honest so i was speaking to again speaking to abby about this when we were prepping for the show that's like i don't get huge amounts of cat calls it was more so when i was younger in really specific parts of london where mm. guys would come and like talk to you so they weren't shouting things out they would come and they'd be like oh can i talk to you and then yeah. it, don't get wrong, it was a little bit irritating because you're trying to walk down the street, but it wasn't, they were still actually just asking you a question. It wasn't yeah. just screaming something at you from across the road. And yeah. then if you're like, no, I'm not interested. Some people get it. Some people don't. Some people are more persistent. And that in itself is a huge problem. Yeah. But I do, yeah, I don't kind of get that thing. People, I don't know if I just look unapproachable. I think as well, sometimes there's definitely divisions when it comes to race as well and how men approach you, etc. If anything, definitely. I get kind of stupid things like where people generally, genuinely, sorry, um, will shout out like, hey, hey, sister, or they'll say something so incredibly fucking cringe. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that I would get. But I've seen other people get incredibly like really badly harassed and actually one thing that's just popped into my head working with influencers who are their models so you know you'll go into a you'll go into a shop you'll go into a department store you're going to see their face everywhere the face of like huge international brands men will take pictures of them Mm. a lot like right in front of their faces or they'll stop on their stare and they'll start following them even Mm -hmm. when we're in groups and stuff and it's really really terrifying for them and they don't necessarily get people saying anything they get men their kind of physical behavior becomes really creepy yeah um but one thing that we've when i've discussed kind of just like how 2020 is going for them a lot of them have said well brilliant i'm wearing a face mask so no one's told me to cheer up and no one's told me to smile because no one 
can see my face and no one can see my my smile or not but I've looked you know looking online and reading different reports about what's been happening this year despite the fact that people can only see our eyes so they're leaving us alone more there have been reports that sexual harassment and indecent indecent exposure in public Mm -hmm. have actually got worse yeah in in lockdown and has gone up you know like paramedics are getting it people on the street people in supermarkets yeah like what have you heard any stories about things that have happened in 2020 yeah loads loads mm-hmm. so plan uh plan uk did a study and found that one in five women and girls had experienced sexual harassment during the pandemic mm-hmm. um and i've had loads of stories of people being harassed with face masks on and there's one story which i actually read on this other account called this account called cute cat calls which is a really good uh really amazing illustration account but there was one uh one of these stories which someone shouted at someone does do your knickers match your mask which just really really says it all for you um and I've also heard stories but then yeah it's 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 there's two sides to it I've heard stories of people say oh well you know it's I've actually felt a lot safer during Mm -hmm. this time because the streets have been emptier and I've had you know my face has been covered so I feel more, more sort of like anonymous maybe or just inconspicuous and like draw less attention to myself and all of that sort of stuff and I I do I see that side of it but then also I've heard you know loads of reports of the entire opposite of people kind of using this as an op- op- like using the pand- pandemic as like an op- opportunistic um as an opportunity to kind of yeah for like more more things to to like p- like pick out about somebody so like using like the face mask to be like oh you know I wish I could see your pretty face and all of that oh, sort of God, stuff yeah. and just yeah and then like personal space is also another thing and people have been abusing that and using that to Mm. kind of scare people and then the whole like outer threat of coronavirus and everything like that and so there's just so many different kind of levels to it and like I myself have experienced street harassment during lockdown and it was really frightening because before I hadn't really thought about it before and I was actually thinking I was I was actually thinking oh like you know the streets are so empty this is great like there's no one around um like this is pretty weird but also yeah I feel kind of safe because there's just no one here and then I remember I was walking home one day and I was on like a really busy what was once like an extremely busy road and I was just waiting to cross a light and then like a big van like parked up at the light and then started like beeping their horns and like rolled down the window and was like shouting things at me and started like following me and there was no one around and I just felt like extremely vulnerable that, that would would have never have happened well, I mean it might have happened but there would have been so much like less accountability basically there was no accountability whatsoever because there was no one there to see no one there to who could have maybe like acted as a deterrent the busy road was completely empty it was just me and this like one you know guy in in the van and I felt like okay well the streets are empty great but if anything did happen to me I'm pretty screwed because there's no one around and I'm like running home now (laughs) so yeah yeah, so that was that was the moment I was kind of like oh okay yeah no it's still happening it's just worse now because you're more vulnerable and more Mm. alone (laughs) yeah well gosh that's such a good point because you know my I've lived in London for like for ages and when I'm home in my when I'm in my hometown, my mum's like, where are you going? What are you doing? Even though I'm a, you know, I'm a full adult. Um, but then when I'm here, she, obviously she's not asking what I'm doing every second of the day. But then when I'm traveling, well, sometimes she'll be like, are you going to be safe? Are you OK? And it's like, actually, yeah. you know, you could be out at midnight in London and it's as busy as like 11 a.m. 
Yeah. But actually during this time, yeah, it's like, it's, you know, it's some turn in which area you're in, it's like dead, isn't it? Yeah, it was quite spooky in that regard. Mm. And even traveling on public transport again, when, yeah, I found it quite spooky because it would just be really empty and it could just be like you and one other person in a tube carriage. And you only ever really experience that like when you're on like the night tube or on the night bus and it's just Mm. you and one other person. And that is like, you know quite terrifying and one of the kind of amazing things about London is as you said it's normally extremely busy and if that is that's no deterrent to harassers whatsoever like harassment mm-hmm. happens all of the time but you usually in some cases feel like a little bit safer knowing that there are more people around that's why people don't like to walk down you know dark streets they like to walk down well-lit streets and stuff when they're going home and it's why you know you're told not to walk down you know alleyways and stuff when there's no one around like you generally feel safer when you're in a busier place even though harassment happens whether it's busy or not busy but that's just like a huge thing that I found from the pandemic and all of the stories that I've been hearing over the past couple of months coming in um there's definitely been an increase to street harassment yeah my goodness people that's I don't know it's just it's all so wild isn't it we all know we know these things happen, but my goodness, this year could have we could have done with just a few less things happening, right? Yeah, it's been a really stressful time. And actually, you know, this um, this year has really shown so many gender equalities, things that we know exist all the time. But you know, things like when people have been uh, working from home and homeschooling, and a lot of people I know who are married with kids, etc the women have the disproportionate amount of like work to do because they're looking after the kids and they're working and they're doing the schoolwork while their husband is locked in an office. Yeah. And there's that. I've seen quite a few um, articles as well talking about that gender inequality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also another thing that came up as well was um, Chris Evans accidentally posting. So he posted a video on Instagram and it accidentally I suppose showed a screenshot of his general um, kind of photos feed. Uh, from his phone and in there there's just there's there's some there's some racy images that he's clearly privately sent to someone yeah Uh, you know I'm upset that it wasn't me but okay but he it was particularly you know the reaction was shocked initially and then all his fans gathered around and they were like we're gonna absolutely flood the hashtag with pictures of him and a puppy you know him and puppies yeah. him doing good things him in these really really specific kind of uh positions um so he kind of looks you know so it makes him wholesome again because he's captain america he's wholesome this was mm-hmm. an accident he shouldn't be penalized but <laughs> years ago and uh, when um i want to say maybe about 2006 7 time mm-hmm. uh hundreds of celebrities um clouds were hacked including yeah. Jennifer Lawrence, Selena Gomez, Kirsten Dunst. There were loads of them. And then there were loads of faked images as well that were shared um, at the same time. And all these things were leaked. And there were so many thought pieces and so many people saying, why is this person taking pictures of themselves? Why are they doing this? The women in particular, because men's um, accounts were hacked too, but the yeah. women were attacked so vehemently, yeah. so vehemently. Yeah. And I do want to say, oh, it's a different time. That's why they were attacked then. But then Chris Evans is being helped now. But we all know that if that was, say, Selena Gomez that had done that now, then she would have just been dragged through the mud. And no one would have been rushing to fill a hashtag. Of course. You know, what do you think about things like that? How, I mean, how do you think we can start to get past, obviously, dismantling the patriarchy is on at the top of the list yeah how do you think we can start to get past these gender inequalities in particular when it comes to things like your body sex and these images that are yours well yeah I mean 
it, as you just said, like this, it, there's, there's one standard for men and then there's a completely different standard for women. And that's always been the case. And I think people think that, that has changed, but it really hasn't because there's even more media scrutiny than ever before. I heard, I heard um, that, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but apparently Meghan Markle was the most trolled woman in the entire world in 2019. No, not, not woman, sorry, the most trolled person in the entire world in 2019. And there's just always has been this completely different standard for women to uphold. And you've seen this, yeah, you've seen this with all of the kind of recent scandals, with the phone hacking scandals. You've seen this with even like the Harvey Weinstein case and stuff. And like when you, when victims, it's all about like victim blaming basically. And so when these nudes are leaked, everyone asks, well, why did, why did she take them if she didn't want them to be seen, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. And that's just victim blaming. It's the same thing when, you know, women just aren't believed on face value, whereas men are. And like when the Harvey Weinstein scandal came out and one or two women spoke out, no one really cared. It took literally a hundred very successful celebrities for anybody, A-list of celebrities to pay attention. And also like very wealthy, white, slim, successful women for this kind of message to get out. And this message has been trying to get out. And like, when you think about that and you're like, well, how did it take that many people for just one, for to just make everyone believe that this one man was guilty? It's because there's just two standards, basically. And like, if it was the other way around, you can imagine if that was the other way around, you know, it would take one man to call something out for things to, for things, for things to be taken seriously, basically. And I think, yeah, it basically all comes down to the fact that we're still battling this complete inequality and like, this weird like societal distrust of women and it's a constant it's a constant questioning of women and their actions and yeah it's 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 really it fires me up it makes me very depressed (laughs) it makes it makes me very angry um and because I see it like you still see it all of the time like the shaming headlines of like tabloid papers and the way that the tabloids like scrutinize women and women's Mm -hmm. bodies and like yes they do it to like men as well to a certain degree but just like nowhere near oh no it's not it's like when near it some M2, but it's, I'd say it's, I feel like it's with men it's like with women it's like a, a thousand percent with men it's like 20 20 yeah. it's like 20 exactly. percent of the energy towards that and it shouldn't be happening to any of them yeah like one like 100 100 percent and like even recently with the like whole um Emily Ratajkowski oh my god I cannot pronounce her second name Ratajkowski no Ratajkowski Ratajk I'm well, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Emily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the like article that she wrote for the cut recently about kind of her new like the photographs of her uh, that were leaked and her having to kind of like buy back her images, and then everyone saying, well, you know, you shouldn't have taken the photos first if you didn't want them to be shared. And mm-hmm. there was this whole thing of um this photographer kind of like abusing her when she was very young and she was starting out to be a model and taking photographs of her that were supposed to be for one magazine, and they were mm-hmm. quite like um I suppose like sexual sexualized photographs um but there was like an agreement that they'd just be shown in one magazine and then they ended Mm -hmm. up he ended up kind of you know completely going completely uh going a completely different direction and like publishing books and like whole books and albums of it and having exhibitions of all of these really intimate photos that he'd taken of her and you know 
the response wasn't like, oh, you know, poor Emily for her kind of images being used without her consent and all of this. Mm-hmm. It was more like, well, you know, she obviously she obviously loves the attention and mm-hmm. she posed for them, so she wants it. And, you know, just your standard victim-blaming, yeah. shaming agenda. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people don't realise, like in those situations, they don't realise as well how, you know, working with models and everything for so long they don't realize how predatory um people like not not all photographers i'm not saying every photographer there are lots of there but there are a lot of photographers a lot of male and female photographers and they're really predatory when people want to break into modeling or whatever else yeah. or early days or they're told you're so pretty you could be a model etc and they groom them they don't realize how predatory that is and actually a lot of people think they oh i would never succumb to that these people shouldn't be taking the pictures they don't realize that the only the difference between them and you is that you just didn't meet that person first they don't realize how how people like that their minds work in order to put and get people and women especially in those vulnerable positions where they're taking these pictures they don't realize at all yeah exactly and like also all people don't realize is that in all of these situations there is a power dynamic mm-hmm. and in all of these situations they have also been taken completely out of context and yeah. so when you're reading about one of these things in a newspaper or something you're just like seeing the sensationalized headline you're just thinking like oh my god you know like well what what, what did she expect and i've heard loads of people say you know when the whole nudes uh like celebrity nudes being leaked and stuff i've heard loads of people say well you know if you didn't want to take if you didn't want them to be really sort of like shown to anyone, like why did you take them in the first place? And it's like, because ugh, it makes me so angry. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even yeah. finish my sentence. Yeah. Um, but People can't yeah. see the steam coming out of your ears, but I can. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, because people don't realize it's, it's personal choice. You can do what you want with your yeah. images and your body. There is no justification for, that. you know, Jennifer Lawrence, anyone else, they don't need to explain anything. You don't have to say anything. You can do what you want. Exactly. But it's people, somebody stole it and then they were still blamed. And that's what's crazy. And then when there are, you know, again, there's a really specific case of someone that I worked with a really long time ago. And when she first first started her career, she was approached by this photographer who was who was so old compared to her. And mm-hmm. I'm really saying age here because age is a real factor in these things. It's power and age combined with power. Oof. He was so old, old enough to know better has children and daughters that were the ages of the models he's shooting. And he is shooting these really, really, really unnecessarily racy pictures with these girls that want to be models and everything else. Yeah. Under the guise of it's going to, we're going to use it for this. We're going to use it for that. Then he owns their pictures. He's got them to sign these kind of crazy contracts, which actually they don't realize they've signed away the rights and the usage of these images pretty much forever Mm -hmm. doing things like paying for domains in their name just in case they become famous and then he won't release the domain even though it's in their name oh. and stuff and it's the whole thing is disgusting God, and it's predatory hideous. yeah people don't realize it's like it's not just yeah it's not just this like you're saying that so much of it's out of context people don't realize what the truth is behind it yeah you know, where people are targeted or they're given money or under the guise of it being a job as well some people are like well i thought i was just doing a job and doing these this photo job and i was paid not very much and then the whole thing is just, it's a, it's a trap and they don't realise. Completely. And it's just, mm. it's its power, as you said, but it's mm. also control. Yeah. And if you've got the control over somebody's image and if you're controlling somebody's body, you're mm. ultimately it all just boils down to the possessing and controlling of women's bodies yeah. in this way. And you can apply that to all, sort, all kind of things. You can apply that to like catcalling to sexual assault to people's images being leaked to women being body shamed and fat shamed and in the media it all just boils down and like you know 
like be able to have the right to choose if you want to have an abortion or not like all of these kind of things it's a huge spectrum and there's lots of different kind of ways that it rears its ugly head but it's all basically under the same guise of controlling women's bodies and then shaming them for their actions yeah and it's like this entitlement has to stop we have to like you're saying we have to absolutely start dismantling the patriarchy to stop this entitlement over other people's bodies and other people's decisions it's absolutely insane yeah it's pretty crazy and i think i think it's pretty i think there's a way of doing it that we really need to focus on i think there's such a danger now with with the issue being so polarized that so many people are kind of turning away from it and there's Mm. people are treating the word like feminist as sort of like triggering buzzword and all of this kind of stuff and i think so many people and men are feeling threatened and feeling attacked Mm. and the conversation like the conversation is just being like split down the middle i know i mean even i know some people who during the whole me too saga were like oh this has gone too far Mm. and like don't you think it's gone a bit too far and these men are losing everything they're losing their reputations and their jobs and oh i can't yeah and it's it's just gone this this whole feminist thing this whole feminist propaganda this whole witch hunt you know yeah. it's gone and that word that word was thrown around everywhere yeah. witch hunt um it's just gone way too far and there was a point where everyone was on board then suddenly everyone was like okay you know you've had you've had your five minutes we don't want to yeah. hear it anymore and then mm-hmm. now it's become an extremely sort of polarized thing to speak about. And I just think we need to try and find a way to bridge that gap and to have these conversations without it turning into like just complete like talking to someone on a different planet, which is what mm. it feels like now. And I heard, a, you know, a huge I heard a statistic that men, young men now are kind of more sort of turned off by the idea of feminism and like I wish I could remember what the statistic was, but it was something mm-hmm. like it was a huge statistic. Like young men um, think that feminism have gone too far. Like between like between like eighteen twenty five year old, like most eighteen twenty five year olds think that feminism has gone too far, and like all of whatever. I'm that was yeah. a t- terrible retelling of a statistic. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but that just kind of goes to show that we need to try and like engage people into the conversation without like pushing them away, and yeah. that's it's a really hard thing to do obviously when anything kind of any conversation starts to happen the media starts to sensationalize mm. it and pit people against each other and yeah but put people into their different tribes and so on and especially now when everything seems to be dividing down the middle with like politics and identifying mm. as like a liberal or as a mm. whatever and so yeah we just kind of need to find a way to balance like balance the like the playing field again and just have these conversations in a way which is not going to switch people off and i hope that that is something which i can do with the work that i'm doing Mm. but yeah yeah i hope so and that's a really good point because i think it's i mean as much as you know i used to be a journalist that's what i trained as that's what i was you know i've worked in media literally since university and but i'm very aware of the power of it and i'm very aware of the divisive nature especially now even more so more than ever and you know, this divisiveness does come from a place of people think, feeling power, uh, their power is being threatened, obviously by the press still very much being a patriarchy as well. So it's like, you know, there are agendas and the problem is there are these nuanced conversations are happening and there are, you know, people like you are putting out work in a specific way that makes things understandable and approachable. But then as much as it's great when you get like, you know, there's great things when the media kind of are elevating things and 
put shedding light on particular stories when you get the sensationalist part of the media adding these wild headlines and people aren't reading it they're just reading the headlines yeah and then it's like that's it it's all gone too far and you've made such good points there about people's reactions to me too and feminism kind of going in these other these other directions and I think really I suppose maybe one of the main things we have to battle like I think that's kind of the root of a lot of stuff is the press and I'm saying this as a person that's an active member of it as well (laughs) we you know you know genuinely think about it whenever yes government have their part to play in anything but who was then reporting what the government is saying who's reporting what people are saying it's someone else coming along making it all exciting because the 24-hour news cycle and commercial commercialization of the press and throwing it out there to be consumed in this way that's actually really damaging and that's what's causing this massive divide there's nothing in the middle anymore is there yeah with like with every single issue you know with 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 politics with feminism with trans rights with gay rights with literally and with with race you know like with 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 anti-racism like black lives matter like all of these things are being used as tools for the press to just like pit people against each other at the moment and it just feels like everything now it's either like well you're on this team or you're on this team or you're this person or you're this person and it almost feels like it just feels so heated whenever you have mm. these conversations because you're automatically like, okay, what tri- what tribe are you in? You know, yeah. can I can can I change your mind? And are we going to see eye to eye on this? And it just it's starting to feel pretty hostile, I think. Mm. But yeah. yeah, I think the media has a huge part to play in that. And we just when it comes to even like narratives of headlines and things like that, and that's that's, that's a huge issue I have with the press sometimes is the kind of way that they frame cases of like assault and rape and stuff and you always hear things like a woman was raped uh you know on a like like in a dark alley or a woman has face punched in on bus Mm. you know it was it's always pitting the woman as the victim the woman as the person who is receiving the the assault in some way some way shape Mm -hmm. some shape form i'm like losing my words completely here um (laughs) but the type, like the headlines never read like oh a man punched a woman in the face mm-hmm. or a man assaulted a woman or a man raped a woman it's always like the woman is receiving like is yeah. the, is the, is, the, is the recipient of this abuse the woman is the one who like got herself in that into that situation and it's just like mm-hmm. it's a really victim blaming narrative and it's a narrative that just like needs to change like especially like even with the prince andrew stuff it was like Ugh. oh prince yeah. andrew kind of you know used to sort of entertain young girls it was like no like he was a child rapist like yeah. say it how it is like yeah there's just very cunning way that the media uses narratives that to like to change people it uses these narratives and wordings and things to just like manipulate how people think about these situations and mm-hmm. stuff and i think there's a there's it's amazing now that a lot of people are calling it out and saying it as it is and there are loads of accounts even on instagram which are like kind of there's this one account on instagram which is called like the right headline or Oh, I know what you're talking about. The one that basically just fixes the headline. It fixes the headline. What's it? What's it called? I've completely forgotten what it's called. But it's like a. It's an account which is just dedicated to um, posting these headlines and then just like Mm. like crossing them out and just rewording them and then putting them back in the order that they actually should be, which doesn't like put all of the blame onto one specific person or you know not one specific person, but just kind of like rewording the narrative to what it actually should say. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really, really good point that you made there. It's that making the victim the recipient and never focuses on the person that's delivering it. And so therefore we can't be, if you would take them out of the context and out of the frame of it, we're not even, not that we need to demonize them, but we're not even seeing them in the narrative at all. So it's not even focusing on, well, who has done this? Why have they done this? What is it that they've done? It's not even, it's all victim. It's never... Yeah, the, it, yeah. It, it totally. It create it creates like this blameless individual, this blameless yeah. perpetrator, because they're never even mentioned in the narrative. This mm. this person who has committed this this crime or this act, like they are never mentioned. It's always the victim who's has the most like emphasis. Yeah, and that in a sense is damaging, detrimental, because everyone will be thinking, well, like what is what have they done to get themselves into that situation, or you know what, like that's just the way that it goes, unfortunately. Yeah. So um. Abby was just saying, is it fixed it headline or something? I think like it's that? Yeah, yeah. 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 I think that is it. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Fixed it headline. There's actually a few different ones as well that are like that. And they're so good. And it literally just puts the line through it and then writes everything the way it should be. Exactly. And, yeah, and the narrative really does have to change. So, I mean, this has been an awesome chat. So, what's, I mean, I could talk to you for so long. There's so many things <laughs> that we could both sit here and vent about. Um, what are you working on at the moment? What have you got coming up? What should people be looking out for next with you? Apart from your awesome, alongside your awesome uh, podcast. Yeah, so I mean, the main thing I'm working on at the moment is my new podcast, which is the Cheer Up Love podcast. And it's all about like, dismantling myths and interviewing different artists and activists and talking about, yeah, like debunking myths of brand sexual harassment. And so that's like one of the main things that I've been working on at the moment. But I'm also working on a few campaigns coming up um with actually a bit secret so maybe I shouldn't have actually said that but (laughs) um but yeah I've got some exciting stuff coming up and I'm not going to say anything else because I think actually maybe it's secret (laughs) yeah (laughs) no worries thank you so much and where can you be found online um so I can be found at at Eliza Hatch on Instagram and at cheer up love on Instagram too and cheeruplove.com brilliant Thank you so much, Eliza. This has been awesome. And I hope you have an awesome day. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Speak On. Make sure you like, subscribe and share with your friends, family, co-workers, strangers in the street. To find out more about us, including our upcoming events, head over to Instagram, instagram.com forward slash speakon underscore. Bye.